Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Monday, everybody, and welcome into the Gramlick and McLean podcast, presented by Ingles, the official supermarket of Gramlick and McLean. Mac is all about the U. We're going That's down right. to South Beach. Super excited. I actually do get to go to South Beach uh, okay. March 3rd to do a Come game. On. So I'm pretty excited. It's always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. Yes. You just jet in. It's 75 degrees. It's beautiful. My hair does frizz up, but... Beyond that, it's always good to go to Miami. Can, can you treat yourself a little bit? Can Can Nick stay home from work like a little longer, or Sharon, or whoever's coming to town? And like, you get some dinner, you relax in the three hundred five, or no? You're You're in and out. Is that what you're going to do? Uh, probably not, just because the next week is the ACC tournament, Yikes. and Mac, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a few stretches in March where I just don't get to see my baby. Yeah. So you, you moms are different. Us dads, yeah. hey, we're out. We're out of here. We got. Uh, you're work. like, hey, I'm All golfing. Right. <laughs> Sorry, babe. Figure it out. Yeah, mom's in and out. I understand. I understand. And we're, you know, we're lucky. We're lucky to have you. We're lucky to have you. And so is Jacob and so is Amelia. But, um, you know, you mentioned South Beach. Sadly, one thing that is not in South Beach uh, is Ingalls, which that's terrifying. Mm. I couldn't imagine a world without that. Uh, but, you yeah. know, it was in Ingalls. Last week, I have my cousin's wedding. We're going through the mountains. We need somewhere to stop because Amelia has to eat. You know, we're driving through the night, all these different things. It's dinner time. And lo and behold, I get to this exit. It was like exit 93 in Asheville. Boom, Ingles right there. Starbucks, we go, have a great time, playing around, doing our thing. Ingles saved the day. All throughout the mountains, wherever you need it, Ingles is there for you. You guys saw last week, that's where we got our Valentines from, which saying kg i don't know you know the people spoke what they said but i don't know we'll see uh you know it is a lot of fun but real quick our guy danny enriquez from canes insight a ton of insight here kg all about the canes Mm. i loved this interview real quick before we jump into it with danny here's a message from our friends over at ingles it's time to discover the convenience and time savings of contact-free pickup with Ingles curbside just visit shop.ingles-markets.com or download the app and your Ingles personal shopper gets to work with specialized training on how to select the freshest items for a pre-scheduled pickup. They'll even text you with updates. You pull up to a designated space and your personal shopper delivers your items right to your vehicle. Fresh, fast, and affordable. It's all in the bag. Ingles. Low prices. Love the savings. The Miami Hurricanes with our guy, Danny. Man, appreciate your time. I'm not going to give everybody the behind-the-scenes look, but you will notice there's no KG here. We, we had a little bit of some technical stuff, but we figured it out. She's calling a hoops game. You and I, my man, are talking Miami football. Great to see you, brother. Thank you for joining us. No, man, happy to be here. Excited. A uh, lot to look forward to with the Canes. A lot to forget. Some good things to remember <laughs> from last year, but uh, but we're jacked up, man. No question. Happy to be here. No, no question. Well, appreciate you again, and, and I like the way you phrase it because you know we we've been doing things a little differently, you know, on this uh, th- th- this kind of episode series that we're going in right now, and it's been a little unique, kind of case by case. And I think exactly how you just spelled it out. Uh, there's some things that we want to kind of get rid of, and some things that we're really excited looking forward. So, kind of in this ACC review, uh, we're, we're not going to spend too much time on 23 because this is going to be such a different you know looking football team in 24. But I do want to start. I do want to get your opinion, the Miami fan base, all those different things on 23. And let's just start big picture and then maybe dive into a couple of things before we move on to 24. 
I think with 23, it was really just missed opportunities, right? So you had improvement, measurable improvement on a lot of fronts. You look at the stats. This is a top 40 offense, top 40 defense, whether scoring, total, yards per play, you name it. It was a team where the offensive line, which was a weakness, major weakness, Mario Cristobal's first season in 2022, made a huge, huge jump in 23. It was one of the best in the nation. But that didn't necessarily translate into wins. There was a marginal improvement. You went from five wins to seven wins, but you didn't get the amount of improvement that you thought you'd get when you looked at the total stats. So that was uh, the story to me. And when you boil it down, it's takeaways and game management. Miami was 109th nationally in takeaway or sorry, giveaways. Did not make up for it in takeaways, but in terms of giveaways, they were 109th. A lot of turnovers, a lot of Really hard to explain turnovers because you go back and watch Tyler Van Dyke's interception reel. This is a quarterback that I know you and I and a lot of Canes fans and a lot of national media thought was going to be an NFL-type prospect, still can be, but was going to have a breakout season this year with improved protection. And that did not happen. He had the protection, but a lot of picks were thrown with very, very clean pockets. I think after the Georgia Tech game, teams figured out to play coverage against him, drop guys back, force him to be patient, take away those deep shots, those deep one-on-one shots that he, he killed teams with, like Texas A&M, and then force him to make decisions and be patient, and he struggled. He threw a lot of picks that way. So that was a big part of it. Again, not just him. Interceptions are a team stat. You got a lot of things going on, but certainly that was a big problem. And then just general game management. The Georgia Tech game, which we mentioned from the turnover standpoint, from a game management standpoint, you couldn't think of a more glaring example. That was well covered, well documented. Not much you can say other than it was one of the most embarrassing coaching decisions in history. And I'm sure you know the coaches will admit that they were embarrassed by what happened there. And that wasn't just an isolated incident. There were some game management issues at the end of halves. Just went to speed up, went to slow down. It didn't seem like Miami was ever in sync in that regard and left some points on the board. So that, to me, the game management and the interceptions, turnovers generally, were the story of the season. Yeah, and, and I think it's where the turnovers took place, like the red zone, goal line. Like, you, you just can't do it, you know, in those areas. And, and that was backbreaking, you know, for Miami in, in a lot of these games. And, you know, it, it, it's interesting when you look at this season because it, it's almost – like a tale of two halves almost, if you, if you look at it. Because a great start, a blistering hot start, that Texas A&M game, I mean, the score is not reflective of how the game was played. I mean, Miami just beat them down uh, and, and kind of, you know, gave the game up a little bit to start and then just took off and, and really looked good. And then there's that Georgia Tech loss, which started as a stumbling. You get the big Clemson win, which was physically dominated by the offensive line, ran when they had to, and then just not a great finish. So, so what kind of happened – starting with that Georgia Tech game where this team, you know, a little bit fell, fell to the wayside. That's really when the, the giveaway started. Because before that, Van Dyke had killed Texas A&M. The, the weaker teams on the schedule before ACC play, he torn those teams up. So it, the, the turnover problem didn't rear its head until that Georgia Tech game. And like I mentioned earlier, I think that's when teams started playing him a little differently and said, listen – it's, you know, it's one thing to heat him up, but if you heat him up, you're going to leave your defensive backs exposed, and he has such a great deep ball, easy read. He'll let his receivers make a play like he did against Texas A&M. Let's force him to be patient. Let's test his patience, and that was a test that he failed a lot of times. And, again, it's not just him. It's a whole team effort. There was no adjustment made, but you saw that from Georgia Tech to all the way to NC State. 
which was another crippling loss later in the year. It did not really improve like you'd like to see. And that to me, and also he was dealing with some lingering injuries. I think that started around that time, Van Dyke. So that was an issue. And again, it wasn't just Van Dyke. Uh, there were other issues that were exposed. I think the lack of pass rush. You know, Haynes King had a great day against Miami. That last drive, forget the 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 fumble, forget the bad decision not to kneel, forget all the turnovers. Miami really had the game won if they could just stop Georgia Tech from driving down the field in record time. But there were some miscommunications of defense, including guys that are going to play in the NFL next year. Sure, there were some miscommunications sure. with those guys, and the pass rush just was not what it was. Even in 22, when Miami had a tough season, they still were top 10 in the nation in sacks per game. That did not carry over to 2023. So that was another issue that, separate from the turnovers, uh, that was a problem throughout the year. Right, right. And we'll address that because I think Miami addressed that in this offseason and the additions, not only in the transfer portal, but the way they recruited. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, But I I do kind of want to use this as a bit of a segue because the way that Miami finished the year in Boston College, I'm not going to look at the bowl game. Half the team played, half the team did whatever. Like, it is what it is. It was embarrassing. We can both agree to that. But I'm not going to – I'm going to use Boston College as kind of the last game because that, to me, was the epitome of what Coach Cristobal and the staff want to be, physically dominating in any weather, any environment, any day. I don't care that it's Friday after Thanksgiving. I don't care that we're going up to the cold all the way up to Boston from Miami. Uh, We're going to come and we're going to punch you in the mouth. And that's exactly what they did. To me, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, that's indicative of who Miami, who Coach Cristobal wants to be. Yeah, one thing I've noticed talking to coaches and people that work in football, separate from, you know, us fans, is they put a lot of stock into just how it looks. You know, we, you know, it's like X's and O's and all these details and technique and all these things that that we hear about. That's important, obviously, too. But sometimes you talk to a coach and they'll say, man, I knew we were going to lose getting off the bus. You know, just seeing how those guys looked compared to how our guys looked. I knew we were cooked, and it's that simple. Miami had been in that position. Well, for many years, Miami was that team coming off the bus. But in recent years, Miami, when you played against a Clemson, for example, or a big SEC team that's recruited well like Texas A&M, a couple drives in, you're saying, this game is, is going to be a tough one. I remember one game against uh, Clemson a couple years ago when they had that great defensive line with Wilkins and, and Austin Bryant and all those, all those NFL players. Miami's uh, guard did a split. In pass protection, literally, there's a gif of it. He was he was protecting, and he got knocked back so bad he landed and did a split and ended up giving up a sack. That didn't happen this year. Miami looked, particularly offensive line wise, looked to be the superior unit just physically. And then you were there for a Clemson game. You saw how Miami was able to push them around, not just scheme it up, but literally move guys off the ball. Texas A and M Van Dyke didn't get touched by those five star defensive linemen. So. And then Boston College, which you mentioned, a team that historically has given Miami problems, even back to the Big East days with their physicality. Miami was able to out-physical those guys. So in that, that was probably the biggest progress area last year from the year before and years prior. Miami looked apart up front and was able to physically compete with teams that traditionally have been able to give them problems with their physicality. Yeah, no, no, no question about that. And I think that's what gets you, you know, excited because when you see, okay, the foundation that was set. Uh, again, maybe not quite the outcome you want with wins and, and losses, but the, the pieces that are there, that gets you excited. And, and on the offensive line, on the defensive line specifically, when I look at Ruben Payne and I look at Francis Maui Noah, two true freshmen, All-American, All-World, started every single game. And then I add in the, the kind of, you know, 
insurgents, if you will, of Mark Fletcher Jr. at the end of the season, I'm like, okay, these are three dudes that are different. And, and when I mean that, I don't just mean freaky athletically, like leadership-wise, mentality-wise, the way that they you know, play the game. One of my favorite stories, Ruben Bain, I believe it was against North Carolina, gets after Drake May, who might be the number one overall pick, by the way, uh, and, and sacks him, gets the ball out, fumble, like near the goal line, on, on the, your goal line, and uh, North Carolina falls on the football. And he gets up, and he's pissed, and he's angry. And I'm like, that's weird. You know, he just got this awesome game-wrecking sack, but he's mad he didn't get Miami in scoring position. So the mindset of those three, man, Danny, when I look at them, I just think, hey, if we can get some more pieces and build off this unbelievable foundation, okay, now we're now we're cooking. Now we're feeling really good. Do, do you guys kind of feel that way? Or is it similar? Absolutely. And just a quick aside, that play, there were a couple safeties against Clemson and FSU that weren't called. Miami right. did not have any luck. I was there. Hey, I was <laughs> there. I'm like, that's a safety. Clear as day. Clear as day. I've never seen so many sacks in the – opposing goal line that did not result in safeties or, you know, fumble for, they just, they had no luck there. Uh, but that's a different story. But yes, Bain, Malanoa, the physicality, the, they came from great programs. Bain came from Miami Central, which wins the state championship every year down here in Florida. IMG, everybody knows what they do as a football factory. So these are guys that came in with a winning mentality, a mentality about work and knowing what it takes, knowing what the competition is going to look like. Bain actually played against IMG as a senior, had three sacks in that game. So he was pretty battle-tested on top of what he did in Dade County. So these are guys who are battle-tested. They knew what to expect. Instant coffee. They came in. They were ready. They came in spring. The physicality they bring. And, yeah, that's what you want it to look like when you play against these big teams. And I mentioned you know, something as simple as, 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 a, as a GIF. You know, Miami was on the receiving in a lot of those where you'd, you'd see clips circulating of Miami just completely getting ragdolled. And everybody wants to pounce on Miami because of past success, the size of the fan base, the way they talk. So when that happened, that would always go viral. Now, uh, Ruben Bain throwing one of those Clemson tackles out of the club, you know, that's that's going viral. Or, or Malanoa. Remember that play where Malanoa was pulling? Running down his, the field. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, it's a silly thing. You talk about, like, a clip going viral, but – it's, it's indicative of what you want it to look like, where Miami is now pushing teams around with these true freshmen physically. And, um, and the swag and all that, it's not the dancing. you know, sure. It's not all that. It's the ability to dominate your opponent like that, and that's what those two bring. Yeah, no, I, I don't think there's, there's any doubt. And, and again, that, that's, that's where you have to do it. And, and I feel like, yes, Miami, you know, we've addressed the offensive line. We feel like that is now the strength you know, of the football team when you see the size, you see the ability. Uh, now the cohesiveness, I think maybe just one you know, addition, maybe two that, that come along and, and get a play early. Um, but it's also kind of what you said, that pass rush on the defensive line as well. And let's start with the transfer portal uh, because reloaded. I mean, my gosh, the guys that they got there, I think can make an instant impact and, and play right now uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Miami really wants to get back in the top 10 as far as rushing the passer. They were They were there under Manny Diaz pretty much every year. They were there the first year of Mario, surprisingly, though they had struggles elsewhere. Last year took a major step back. They want to get back to that top 10. So you add Elijah Alston out of Marshall, a guy who I saw uh, Pro Football Focus just put out their list of the top transfer pass rushes according to their grades. He was number <laughs> one with a bullet. You've seen some of the, you know, just watching some of his games. I saw him against NC State. 
spin move. He took a, a, a pick to the house and looked like a safety. You know, he's, he's not a 6'5", 260-pound defensive end. He's a smaller guy, more of a hybrid. But the athleticism pops. His motor, as from what I've seen on, on tape and what, talking to coaches, they feel very good about what he brings from an energy and juice standpoint. They think he could be a top 10 sack – or sorry, a 10-plus sack guy. Sure. Another transfer who transferred two years ago – but it's sort of an addition to this team is Akeem Mesidor from West Virginia originally was really good at West Virginia, came in as an NFL prospect already, was outstanding that first year. Again, Miami was top 10 in the nation in sacks that year. He got injured. So you didn't really, at Texas a and didn't really have him the whole year. So Ruben Bain was sort of a one-man show. We haven't seen Ruben Bain and Mesidor together. And both guys are very similar. They're, they don't, again, not six six long guys, but guys that are stout. You can play them inside on, on obvious passing downs. They have a lot of power. They have really strong hands, high motors. So you got now instead of having one Ruben Bain, you kind of have two Ruben Bains. And then you also have Alston, who's a fastball up out of the bullpen with his speed and athleticism. So that's a big improvement. And on the interior, you lose uh, a Branson Dean. You lose a Leonard Taylor, highly tied to recruit, will be in the NFL. But you add C.J. Clark from NC State who is somebody who I'm told just talking to people around the program, they think is an NFL type, maybe not a first round, but more of a mid round kind of guy. He was a, a more of a nose at NC state with their great defenses. He has a lot of quickness and he thinks in this defense, where he can get more of field shoot gaps, play more of that three technique. The athleticism, it'll, it'll show more and it will help him, his stock. It'll help his production. And you still have the, the stoutness that allowed him to play. nose. So you, you get that. But you also get a little more athleticism unlocked in this defense. Marley Cook from Middle Tennessee. You hear Middle Tennessee, you say, oh, you know, not a big program. This is a guy that gave Miami fits two years ago. (laughs) A game Miami wants to forget, but they remember that performance. I mean, he was all over Miami's quarterbacks in that game. Not the biggest guy in the world, but very athletic. Uh, Definitely an interior pass rusher. Another guy that graded real high on PFF. So I think with this defensive line for Miami – Body type-wise, it's not where you want it to be and what they're sure. recruiting to. And we'll talk about the recruiting class, but they've recruited right. kind of those big, you know, the body types that you see usually in, on the championship game, right? right, at the Alabamas and Georgias. They're getting more of those guys in recruiting. This defensive line, I think, is probably not there physically, but it could be very, very, very good in college in the ACC with the ability to rush the passer interior outside, all over the place. I think they have a lot of, of very good athletes and guys that know how to rush the passer. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, you're creating chaos, right? I mean, you've got body types that can move, that can play multiple different positions. And, and really, what this tells me with some of these guys getting healthy is we can move Bain around, okay? I think that was the plan going into the season because of injuries he had to you know, strategically only be a defensive end. We might see him sneak inside a little bit in some pass rush skills. And as a former guard, I don't want any part of that, all right? I don't want to see that guy lined up at three technique or standing up and have the ability to really go wherever he wants. So that excites me. What also excites me is we just spoke in depth about the the additions in the transfer portal. Oh, by the way, we've got three five-star defensive linemen coming in from the high school ranks. And I'm looking at Justin Scott, Lightfoot, Blunt, all these guys. Uh, and there's probably a couple others on here that are that are highly recruited four stars. Man, they might be fighting to get some playing time early and often. I feel good about this D-line and the talent that they have. I'm glad you mentioned that. So we talked about the offensive line earlier, and those guys look the part and they play the part, right? I don't think you need to change too much there. Just keep recruiting those kind of guys. 
on the D line, the folks we just mentioned that are more veteran and in the portal, I think they may not look the part necessarily, but they play the part, right? We talked about the athleticism and the and the disruption and how they get low, they're hard to block. These guys that Miami's recruiting on D line look the part, and from what we've seen in high school and in the All Star games, play the part. Marquise Lightfoot, long wingspan off the charts, extremely explosive pass rusher from Chicago, five star player. Justin Scott, six foot five, three ten. I want to say he played running back a little bit in high school. Also played offensive line, defensive line, basketball player, super athlete. Another five star. Both of those guys were taken from Ohio State in Chicago. So major recruiting victories. Armando, well, I thought it, I thought they were taken from Illinois. It was Chicago. It was <laughs> Ohio State that they were taken from. Okay, I was just checking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, need to send some brochures up north, maybe. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I don't know what Illinois was thinking, trying to get in on that. You know, with the, with, with those tweets talking about you know. They those players got by like they were going to Illinois anyways, uh, but no, Miami took them from I guess Ohio State and Illinois in Chicago, <laughs> brought them down to Miami. Uh, five star players, also Armando Blunt, who's local from Miami Central, same school as Ruben Bain. This is a guy who would have been a top five player in the class of twenty twenty five. I mean, top five overall. I'm talking about, and he reclassified to to this class two thousand twenty four. I think he was still a, a five star in several publications. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He just turned today, as we record this on Sunday, 17. <laughs> so he just turned 17. He signed at 16. This is, this is a guy who's 6'4", 260-ish, probably will start outside and maybe play inside as he, as he gets older. I mean, he still doesn't have a mustache. You know, he's, six, he's just turned 17. Um, but So he has a versatility. But 4'8", verified on the lasers. He won the shot put in the state as a freshman in high school. So he has that explosive ability through his hands and just the explosive power that you want to see. He had extreme production at Central, just like Ruben Bain did as far as sacks. So he's a productive guy. And then he's got a 4.8-something GPA, which allowed him to reclassify because he was so good in the classroom. And I'm sure you, you, know, you tell people that usually the smart linemen end up on your side of the ball in the That's offensive right. we line. Need to switch it. We need to pull them over, man. What are we doing? <laughs> Unusual, at least in my in sure. my observation, to have a guy that had this kind of athleticism, this kind of production, and this kind of IQ on the defensive line. So that's a huge, a huge acquisition for Miami locally. Also got Artavius Jones from the Panhandle, which is FSU. It's technically Florida, but those who know about Florida know that the Panhandle is really more of the deep south. That's going to be FSU country, if anything, and then also SCC right there, Alabama right there, all those schools. So Miami was able to go in there, get Artavius Jones, a guy who's a state, I think he's a state champion power lifter, also plays basketball like Justin Scott, plays offense, plays tight end. They throw him passes. So that versatility on top of being a big, legit 300-pound body type, that defensive line, you're, you're an ACC guy, I'm an ACC guy. I've always felt that the difference between ACC and SEC is not quarterback because you mentioned Drake May. I mean, ACC, to me, had better quarterbacks top to bottom than SEC the last few years, in my opinion. Yeah. But really, the defensive line has been the separator with the Georgias, with the Alabamas. When the ACC teams get a defensive line, like Clemson when they had their first rounders, like FSU when they had their first rounders, what happened? They won national championships. So to me, that's the separator, and it starts in recruiting. There's development involved, but really – Look at the NFL law pro list. Aside from like an Aaron Donald, most of those guys were big time recruits, right? Monsters, right. Yeah. They're, it's, they're hard to find 
body type wise, athleticism. It doesn't take a genius to scout some of these guys. When you see Justin <laughs> Scott, you know, six five, three ten, running the ball for forty yard touchdowns, you know this is some guy that's unique. So no question. you got to win those battles, and Miami's starting to win those battles. Yeah, yeah, and, and I love that, man, because as we have kind of said here for now 10 minutes or so, the lines of scrimmage is the difference, right? Like that, that's how you go from good to great. That's how you take that next step. And, and the consistency piece, how do you keep getting those guys in? This is obviously a fantastic start you know, for Miami, and now how does that translate to the field? One position that I think is going to translate to the field very quickly is our guy Cam Ward. And listen, you and I had – you know, some, some conversations about him a couple of days ago and, and this process and how he went about it, how very businesslike he was. Uh, and now, ultimately, he's at Miami and, and I think going to be a game breaker. Um, so maybe just any insight on that, uh, on how you viewed it, uh, him getting to Miami and then just really what he brings, you know, to the table. And, and do you think it's going to be this instant impact, instant upgrade type of you know caliber player? Absolutely. In the early returns, I just spoke to someone yesterday who's in the building as far as what he's been doing leadership wise off the charts. They, they said he's exactly what we thought. But as far as some of the some of the history on it, he was very he's a very smart guy. Right. And, and he comes from a smart family, not just football wise, but off the field. So he really managed this process as a professional would like a free agent in the NFL, for lack of a better comparison. And he was able to secure what he needed NIL-wise, but then he ultimately came down to what does he want to do. He had a chance to go to the NFL. He chose to go to Miami, and I believe the part of it was he wanted to play college football. He wanted to be a first-round pick, not just a second, third, fourth, fifth-round pick. Also, the offensive line that Miami has. Washington State did not have that kind of offensive line. So now having that in his mind, he says, I can show everybody what I, what I have. I can show everybody I'm just as good as Caleb Williams, Drake May, whoever, Jaden Daniels, whoever in his mind, because now he's he did everything he did before without an offensive line. Now he's got one on top of the great athletes that he's going to play with at the skill positions. So I think that was a huge factor for Cam Ward is just that that ability to play behind a good offensive line. What he brings to the table, we mentioned his IQ. I think throwing the ball, he's really, really good at those sort of 50-50 balls down the field. If you watch his highlights, a lot of it is just perfectly placed, you know, fades where the receiver is able to make a play on it. And it's not just throwing it up for grabs. I mean, he's throwing it to a spot. He's throwing it with timing and allowing them to make plays, but still being aggressive, just a natural thrower. He was a guy that was a wing T quarterback in high school, didn't get offers, went to Incarnate Word, ended up transferring to, to Washington State, putting up huge numbers. One thing I like about him is, and we're getting ready for the NFL draft, Drake May is another guy you mentioned. A lot of these quarterbacks that end up being the really good ones are not the five-star guys that trained with the coach since they were like, you know, in diapers, you know, and maybe they had a dad that had some had some cash and bought them a trainer their whole lives. The guys that to me really are the top guys are guys that played multiple sports growing up and they competed. They had reps competitive reps, not just training, but actually playing games and learning different movements, learning way, different ways to make decisions. You know, a pitcher, how many decisions does a pitcher make during the course of a game, right? Cam Ward was a basketball player, a point guard, one of the more prolific point guards in the history of his high school. So he's making a lot of decisions on the basketball court, like a Drake May, who's a basketball player, a Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, you know, a lot of these guys that maybe are not the five stars coming out of high school, May was, but some of these other guys were not as, as, as acclaimed 
then they get to that uh, to the next level and they really show what they can do. I think he's in that category. How he'll do in the ACC, how he'll do in this offense, we'll see. But I think Miami fans are really excited. I know people in the building are extremely excited about what they got with Cam Ward. Yeah, 100%. I mean, just when you see what he's been able to do and now you think, okay, let's upgrade everything around him. Now what does that look like? So, so from an offensive perspective, because I am interested to, to see – you know, kind of your thoughts here, are we, you know, it, it just felt like before it was so heavy in the RPO. Like the RPO, if we weren't doing that, you know, we weren't really in rhythm. There were some things that, you know, Van Dyke would just get out of sync sometimes if it wasn't based off of that. Is that kind of a similar vibe here? Is the offense going to mold around Cam? What do you expect to see maybe differently just when you have a, a guy of this caliber coming in? It's going to be very interesting. So Shannon Dawson, Miami's offensive coordinator, he coached under Hal Mummy. I mean, this guy's an air raid guy to the bone in terms of his background. However, a few years ago, Dana Holgerson, who was really Shannon Dawson's main mentor, shifted more towards a run-based version of the air raid, right? Use more tight ends, et cetera. So that's kind of where he came from. Obviously, going to with pairing with Mario Cristobal, Cristobal is going to lean into that side of things because you not only you have a great offensive line that can move guys off the ball, but that's sort of, you know, philosophically what he believes. And I think if you look at the end of uh, the championship games, look at Michigan and how, how they ran the ball and how they prioritize things. Again, Alabama, Georgia, the teams that win big, they move guys off the ball and they make that a priority. Even if it's not eight yards the first run, it might be 14 yards in the fourth quarter. So that's a big part of what Chris Simone wants to do. And I think part of the, what you saw last season was the combination of the air raid background with trying to be more of a physical running team and wasn't always in sync necessarily. Sure. Cam Ward came from an air raid system, really more of a pure air raid system than what we saw last year with Miami. So is Shannon Dawson going to go deeper into his air raid bag of tricks or is he going to try to move Cam Ward more towards pro style, just a, a different kind of offense? He wants to go pro too. So that's another thing with sure. him. So that's going to be very interesting to watch. I think with with I've talked to people, you know, why did Miami go in this direction? Some people say, well, Van Dyke loved to throw down the field. You had such great protection. You didn't need all these kind of quick hitter throws that you may associate with the air raid. You have the ability to push the ball down the field because of the quarterback and the protection. Mixed mixed results, Texas A&M being on the good side and then some other games not so good. Overall, the offense improved tremendously statistically from where it was with Josh Gaddis but not where you want it to be. So that's what you just hit on is to me, the story of the spring and, and of camp and the first couple games is what is this offense going to look like? Is it going to be more like air raid? Is it going to be more like what you're used to ball with Mario Christ, used to with Mario Cristobal? Right. And, and who, who are, I guess are other guys within that quarterback aside, offensive line aside that, that you're expecting, Hey, you know, not only that you expect to see it, but like, we need it. Okay. We need this player or these couple of players you know, to take that next step, who are one or two of those guys? It's funny because I don't think Miami is done adding receivers necessarily. They may add one in the portal and Miami, and they added some really top 100 type players in recruiting between Jojo Trader out of, out of Chaminade and Nikar out of Georgia, who they took from the Georgia Bulldogs. These are big time recruits. But if you look at the stats, Miami brings back the top two receivers in the ACC with Xavier Strepo and, and Jacoby George in terms of yards, you wouldn't think that. I know Miami fans don't really think that off the top of their head, but you look at the stats, those were the two leading receivers coming back. 
I think Restrepo, you know what you're going to get with him. Him and him and Ward are going to work great together. No one's worried about that. I think George, despite his productivity, is the one that can go either way because he's somebody that against Texas A&M, even though he dropped a touchdown, he caught a couple more and was just outstanding in the game. Against uh, Rutgers, the last time we saw him, he made some selfish penalties, 15-yarders that were just not smart, you know, totally controllable. So he's been up and down, but his talent is outstanding. And with someone like Cam Ward who likes to throw those 50-50 balls, George is somebody who, even though he's not the biggest guy in the world, has outstanding ball skills, outstanding coordination, big hands. He likes that style of play. He fits on paper with what Ward wants to do. I know Ward's mentioned that he's kind of the guy he's looking to to make that next step. They already have a connection. George actually was on his visit when they went out to dinner. Ward was, or George was part of that contingent. So Restrepo is going to be Restrepo. He'll be one of the best receivers in the country out of the slot. George to me is the one that could go either way, and you hope he's a boom. Right, and you, you just need that, right? You you need the the next guy, you know, to to be there right with Restrepo because I think there's just. There's times where, hey, it's all attention's on seven, and then look out. You know, here comes three, here comes somebody else, you know, really making a play here. Um, before we get to expectations, before we get to, you know, one, two, three things that has to be different, I think I know what number one is. Uh, let, let's look at the schedule. Let's look at 24 because we open at Florida, and that is a big deal, and we just got done talking about this great quarterback that we think is going to make a big difference. Welcome to our team by playing in the swamp. You know, how important is that game? What does that look like? Is there pressure one-sided, the other side? Because it feels like maybe both are, are in similar situations. What, what are your thoughts on that? Because that is a huge opener uh, for, for both of these teams. Being in Florida, you, you hear both sides of the of the fence in terms of fan bases. So you, I know there's a lot of pressure on Napier, probably even more pressure on Napier. But at the same time, you lose this game for Cristobal and that everything just shifts from one column to the other. And then it's all on Cristobal. And he knows how important the game is. He's from Miami. The fan base is extremely hot for this game, as they should be, because of the rivalry. I think it's a game Miami will be favored in, at least. Who knows what, what it'll look like with injuries and spring and everything else and transfers. But right now, Miami is the favorite. I believe two and a half, something like that. So Miami will enter the game as the favorite. And the team with less negativity around them, I guess would say you'd say. But it's a huge game. Cam Ward's a big part of that in terms of you don't have to worry about breaking in uh, a, a young quarterback. You got a veteran coming in, new system, new surroundings, but still a guy who's played in big games. He played Washington last year. So he, you know, he's played, he's played Oregon. He's played big games. He's been in tough environments. So he's not going to be totally overwhelmed by what he is dealing with, but it's a, it's a huge game. I think the key to that game is going to be Miami's ability to, to heat up Graham Mertz and that Gator offense because their offensive lines reshuffled. It was a weakness for them probably weaker than I thought given Napier's background. They brought in some new guys. They'll be new. Miami has to win that battle. We talked about the pass rush earlier. And and one point you made, which I thought was outstanding when we talked off the record, was when you have your first game, this kind of game, it really motivates you for the entire summer, right, as a player because you you got that game circled. It's easy to just point to it. You You don't have to point to, you know, Bam, you or Bethune, right, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> right. So that that's a that's going to be a, a big factor for both teams. The negative of having the first game, the reason I get nervous is because player gets suspended. Where, how, do you, how do you navigate that? Right, he gets he breaks an off season rule. Even if it's not the most serious thing, you don't want him to miss Florida the Florida game. 
So that's always tricky. And then also – You always suspend him for the first home game. You know, you kind of overlook it. You know, when we get home, he, he won't play. <laughs> there you go. You might see some of that. That's right. <laughs> but another thing is, you know, Cristobal, I think, is somewhat of a conservative coach by nature. Sure. And let's say – I use an example of somebody. Chris Johnson, who was a four-star recruit Miami signed last year from Dillard – smaller uh, running back, say 185 pounds coming in, needed to gain weight, needed to improve in pass protection. So you didn't see a ton of him, but he has world-class speed. I thought about he was 100-meter champion of Florida, 200-meter champion of Florida. He is legitimately one of the fastest players in the nation. He's like a Devin A-chain from, from Texas A&M, if you want a, a comparison. So if he could change a game like this game, he, he's going to be relied on a lot in the spring with some injuries. He's very much a key player for this team next year. But – let's say you get some guys back and, and you have some more veteran running backs. Do you put him his first big game against Florida and when you're getting nightmares of Florida bringing a blitz and he can't pick up the blitz and now Cam Ward, who's had fumbling problems, is fumbling, right? How do you manage that conservative instinct with, hey, we got to go out and make some plays and this guy can go 70 on them? So that's, you know, it's different when you can warm those guys up in games like the new the newer players. You can warm them up in these MAC games, these, these, these uh, FCS games. And then have him play the big game. When the first game's big, how much are you going to trust some of these younger guys that can be explosive for you? And that's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, you, you know what my answer to that is, Danny? If he can't pass block, don't put him in when we're throwing the ball, all right? That's what I'm doing. Oh, oh it's a tendency breaker. Well, there that tendency is 80 yards downfield. Have fun stopping it. Uh, let, let's talk about the rest of the schedule real quick because when I look at this, these ACC matchups, Virginia Tech, at Cal, at Louisville, Florida State, Duke, Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, Syracuse, not horrible, but obviously you have the two teams that were playing in the ACC championship. How do you feel about the, the new landscape that we're in, having to go all the way to California for a conference game, uh, and, and just kind of the, the shakeout that you know Miami got with these ACC foes here? Yeah, I'm going to be able to expense it, a vacation to California, which that was not uh, in the cards in the past. Right. But yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, it's going to be interesting to travel and everything else. But I think ultimately this schedule is a lot lighter than last last year. You, know, you had Clemson, which look, Clemson was down, but Clemson is Clemson. They brought some really great athletes down here. Florida State on paper is not going to be what they were this past season. You don't know that, but that's what the expectations are. Florida is, is not expected to be what you typically expect, expect from a Florida team. Texas A&M. I guess they were ultimately disappointing, but certainly the beginning of the season with all those talented guys, super motivated, you know, that's not an easy game. Plus they had their quarterback in that game, Connor Wiegman, who was really an outstanding quarterback, knocked him out of that game really for the season in that game, but get a deal with him. So big way of saying the schedule should be easier on paper. Sure. It'll be interesting to see some of those travel issues with these, these West coast type teams. But ultimately I think I'd rather go to Cal then, then deal with uh, with Clemson and all those guys at home. Plus, you get Florida. Is, is there a team? Go ahead, no, so you go get Florida State at home as well. Right, right, exactly. And, and is there a team outside of the two Florida schools? Because I know that's a different beast in itself. But just looking at the ACC, is there a team that you're like, eh, you know, that that might give us a little fit, you know, right here that that either maybe some people aren't thinking about or just historically, you know, that, that it's always just a tough game for whatever reason. You know, I mean, you mentioned a couple. As far as Louisville v. Tech, I mean, those are teams that have beaten Miami a lot. Big East days. Yeah, yeah Big East yeah, days. Louisville's a well, both of them are well-coached teams, I, I think. Exceeded expectations last year. So that's that's going to be a problem um, in terms of 
if you're not prepared, they're going to make you look bad. So those really any game. I mean, Miami lost to some in the last two years. Miami's lost to some teams that aren't the most talented right. teams in you're the right. world. So you're right. I like the answer. I like the truth. Yeah, I like the it's, truth. I like it's it. going to come down to how they play yeah, ultimately yeah. With, with the way their talent has reloaded. I think they can beat any team in the country. Sure. On the good on a good day, if Cam Ward's cooking, and they could right. also lose to a lot of teams. I mean, it's going to be a Miami's yeah. probably one of the teams with the biggest spread. I would say as far sure. as who they can beat and who they could lose yeah. to, just based on what yeah. they've shown. So, so earlier, like right before we got on, I, I saw something that had them at nine and a half wins. Are you with that? Are you are you above it? You've taken the over. You leaning the under. Think it's just right. How do you feel about it? I thought it was a little high. I thought it was a little high, just because there's some unknowns that you know, I, need, I just need to see Cam. You know, I, I need to see him cook and, and what he's going to look like. Well, I want to see spring, right? So spring, I'll, I'll have a better idea, even though it's 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 Kane on Kane. Just certain positions have a better feel. The portal, I don't think, is done. I think wide receiver, running back. I think you can see additions at both of those positions, and then who, the portal is a weird thing because you have a plan. But then someone you don't someone you don't expect with some tie to your program comes free and you go after him and now the plan totally changes. So it's there's still some moving parts. It is a little high. I think that shows a lot of confidence in Cam Ward. I think Miami analytically grades out higher than they may they might on the on the record. The ESPN analytics had him like 23rd or something like that based on just what they've done on both sides of the ball. And also the special teams, as we haven't talked about, Miami really should have one of the better special teams units in the country. Their kicker is as good as it gets, probably an NFL guy, uh, Andres Borregales. Their punter, Dylan Joyce, was made a lot of freshman All-America lists, just kind of the latest Australian punter to come over. He, he did really well. So Miami, on paper, you go, okay, they have a good quarterback. We know he's good. They have a good offensive line. They recruit a good skill position. They have a defensive line that's been productive in the past. A lot of veterans with sack uh, production. Prince uh, Malanoa, the linebacker, not to be confused with the office alignment we were talking about earlier, his brother, he's probably going to be preseason first team all ACC or in that conversation, right? You brought in a safety, starting safety from Washington, who just they just went to the national championship game. So you have some experience at safety. That's probably going to be a position to watch because you lose Camp Kitchens and James Williams to the NFL draft. Corner, you have Daryl Porter, who's going to be one of the better corners in the ACC based on his production last year. Damari Brown, a big recruit, Jadis Richard, another really athletic guy who they both played very well against Florida State and their big receivers last year. So you have talent when you look at yeah. – it's not like there's a glaring hole except for the yeah, fact that this team has not – I hate to say this like this. like the, It's such a cliche, but when you hear people that actually play the game and coach the game say it, you know it's a real thing, which is they got to learn to win. They, they have to learn to win. And, you know, I flip it on you like because I'm curious about this because, you know, I never – played anywhere near this level sure what does that mean to learn to win mm. the the interesting thing about it is it, it's almost learn how how to you know understand winning in the fact that you know you're sitting there five and oh top in the country and everything's great we're so good and then boom you lose to georgia tech like you you have to have that mindset of it's always the next game. It doesn't matter who we play. It's about us. And I think that that's a little bit difficult, especially at a place like Miami. You, you know how it gets. When that, that team is ranked, when that team's undefeated and flying high, dude, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of excitement, a lot of extracurriculars, and it's hard to just keep those blinders on and, and stay at work. So it, it's one of those things where maturity helps. Those three young cats that we talked about 30 minutes ago, they help because they're going to, I think, keep everybody kind of, head on straight, this is how we do it, and just the, the coaching staff that you have. I mean, I, I, 
I love Coach Cristobal. I think he's fantastic and being a Miami guy. Uh, so I, I think that's what it takes of you, you might have everything, but until we're done and until we have that ring on our finger, there's a lot, a lot of room for error, a lot of way to go. So I, I think that's the most difficult part that, you know, when, you, when you're at a place like this, that that success, you got to be able to manage it. And you have to understand that everybody you play, that's the Super Bowl. That, that's the biggest game that they play when that you comes to town or they get to come to you. So it's, it's a fascinating thing for sure. Yeah, it's funny how Miami gets treated like this big program when they really have not had the success. Sure. But it's like, sure. you know, you have two movies made about you. And you know if, you, if yeah. you're the team that brings Miami back, you'll be the star of the third one. <laughs> Right. That's right. You don't, just, you don't just win 10, 11 games or, or win the ACC. You're in a movie. Right. It's yeah. that kind of pressure, yeah. which is weird for a it team is. that hasn't won in 20 years. I agree. I agree. It just it comes with the territory of being mentioned. I mean, that 2001 team. I mean, you're talking about one of the best, if not the best ever. That uh, that rings true, man. You know, dynasty, that, that thing, that thing sticks around. Um, one more thing, Danny, we'll get you out of here. We, we've taken up too much of your time. It's Sunday. You got to go with the family. And I'm very grateful. This has been awesome. Uh, just give me three things, and I think I know two of them, but give me three things that if Miami is significantly better at, much improved at, we're talking about that 10-plus win season. Turnovers, we talked about that ad nauseum. That needs to happen. Game management, I think, which it's, it's a team effort, which means less penalties, less selfish penalties like you, you saw in the Rutgers game, end-of-game situations, end-of-half situations, when to speed up, when to slow down just general decision-making from the coach on down to the quarterback and, and the players, the other players on the field. And number three to me is just overall pass defense. It wasn't horrible last year. It was much improved, but it wasn't great. And I think that means pass rush. That means the corners who, aside from Daryl Porter, are on the younger side. You replace two NFL safeties. Can you get this pass defense tuned up to where it's one of the better units in the country, again, from the rush to the, to the defensive backs? This is, a, this is something where two years ago, when, when Cristobal first got here, you had Tyree Stevenson, who was an outstanding rookie corner for the Bears. You had DJ Ivey, who got drafted by the Bengals, got a game ball this year, played, played NFL football this year. And then you had the two safeties we just talked about, Cam Kitchens and James Williams, plus a top 10 pass rush. This is, this is Cristobal's first year, 22. That was one of the worst pass defenses in the country. I think it was like 110th or something like that in terms of pass efficiency. It's just It hasn't clicked. It improved a bit this year, but the pass rush took a step back and you're losing the two safeties. So can that group, and the defensive coordinator is a part of it too. Miami just hired a new defensive back coach, Jevis Jackson. There's a lot of moving parts. Can that group from a communication standpoint, from a coverage standpoint, pass rush standpoint, come together and be one of the better pass defenses in the ACC? That's something to watch. Yeah, we'll, we'll be watching, man. I can't wait. We'll follow up in the spring. Uh, once you see everything, get a, get a good grasp on it. We got to know, man, what, what this team's going to look like. Danny, this has been so much fun, man. Thank you for your time. Very grateful for you. No, I appreciate it. Anytime you, anytime you want to have me, I'll be on, man. This is awesome. Watch you guys. Really appreciate what you do. Thanks again to Danny for joining us. Check out canesinsight.com. Follow them on Twitter. Such a great resource and the insight, again, no pun intended, but the insight from Danny was really good. And I think he's right as you look at 2024, which it's way too early to do so, but we're doing it anyway. 10 wins with a manageable schedule and with the recruiting that Miami has done, it should it should be possible. Yeah. And Miami has to take that next step, show its fan base. Like, like Danny said, there are people writing checks. There are people investing a lot of money in this program. I think you need to see 
the dividends from that. And I, I think you have a very good chance of doing so, Matt. Yeah, I, I do too, because I think the two most important you know position groups to be able to take that step is the offensive and defensive line. And check, check. You know, they've done that. Offensive line last year even, you know, kind of solidified that going out and getting a young man from Indiana. And then the the defensive line, it's going to be totally a different looking group, you know, kind of headlined by Ruben Bain there. And then others who steps up, who gets those starter reps, cannot wait to see it. But there's star power everywhere you look on that, uh, figuratively and literally, when you look at some rankings and some young cats. And then you got an elite quarterback who we think is going to transition seamlessly to the ACC and Cam Ward, who is just a special player. I mean, a couple of years ago, you know, 40 touchdowns, three picks, something crazy yeah. like that. I mean, he, he's balling. I know that was a little bit different level of football, but he can spin it and, and makes really good decisions. So excited to see what that looks like, KG. Excited to see where the Canes can go because, as we know, college football is better with Miami being good. So I'm excited to see it. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Appreciate all your support, but we need even more. We need you to come over here to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Leave some comments in the chat here, especially Canes fans. Jump in. Let's see it, Kane's insight. Come on. I need a lot of those all throughout the different things there. And, of course, the OGs over on Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe. We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see you all.